Podcasting for your business involves a lot of tasks and a lot of pieces of information and a lot of individual assets like emails and graphics and audio files and a lot of communication with guests and with team members about all of the above. It's just a lot. And you as the podcast manager or host of the show could certainly do all or most of them yourself, but you probably don't want to, and nor would it be a good use of your time to do so. A weekly or even bi-weekly podcast production schedule can be intense. There is a lot of pressure in making sure that you have content to release every week. And even with the best of intentions, you can find yourself scrambling for things at the last minute. But the show must go on and you must release when you said you were going to. That is your promise to your audience. When you invest the energy in optimizing and then automating your internal processes for your show, your life and the life of everyone involved in the project gets a lot easier. And you get a clear picture of where you can or should add more support to your process in terms of changing what your team members are responsible for, delegating more of your own activities, or bringing on third-party support like a specialist VA. Podcasting to support your business is completely different than podcasting as a business or even a hobby. Whether you need more clients, more attention, or more engagement, you need to maximize the real measurable results in your business as efficiently as possible. The Company Show will bring you the strategies, the tactics, and the expert insight to make it a whole lot easier. Here's your host, Megan Doherty. So let's start thinking about this with the high-level steps in your podcast production process. And of course, this can vary depending on the type of show that you're creating. But the general order of work that we can assume is you book the guest if you have guests, record the audio, the audio needs to be edited and produced, the show notes and other assets need to be created, the episode needs to be scheduled and released, then the episode needs to be promoted and ideally also repurposed. So there can be additional steps in this process like content planning, a pre-call with a guest, writing a script or researching the guest or topic and so on. And if you have additional steps like this, add them to your own list of your high-level podcast process. Basically, what we're doing here is identifying the different buckets of tasks for each part of the podcast production process. These buckets can contain different numbers of subtasks, but the most important thing about a bucket is that one single person carries it. Each high-level category of podcast activity, like those I just listed or whatever's on your own list, should have one single person who's in charge of it. So let's look into a bucket editing and producing the audio. For example, this can involve the host uploading the raw audio to the file storage system, an assistant sending the link to the producer, the producer uploading the finished audio to the storage system and letting the assistant know that it's ready, and then letting the host review for quality control. Ultimately, the single person who's in charge of this bucket is the assistant, and they're making sure that the high-level task, edit and produce the episode, is getting done on time. They're in charge of that bucket, even though there are different people involved in these subtasks within it. It could look totally different in your own process, however, and based on your own team makeup and the set of freelancers or third-party service providers that you're working with. The important thing is to understand what the buckets are, what goes into each of them, and who is carrying that bucket. And because this can vary so much and because it's so critical with so many different moving parts, it is absolutely critical to get it written down somewhere. And when you're doing this, you want to be thinking in absolutely excruciating detail. You probably know by now how I feel about excruciating detail, but trust me, it's worth it. Depending on the complexity of your show and the number of humans you have working on it, things can get a little unwieldy and it's easy to make mistakes. But when it's all clearly laid out, it's really easy to see where you can add efficiencies and automations to make everyone's life a little easier. Once you've found all of the efficiencies and automations that are possible based on your own work and the work of team members that you currently have, you might find that there's still low-hanging fruit in terms of work that doesn't really fit onto the desk of a member of your team and that shouldn't be on your own. And that's when you might want to start thinking about bringing on more support in the terms of a third-party service provider like a production house or like a third-party VA, ideally one who specializes in podcast production or general admin and communications tasks. My guest today is an expert in delegation of specific tasks to specific third-party service providers. 
Christy Yoder is the founder and CEO of Smart VAs and host of the Master Delegator podcast. She's joined me here on The Company Show to talk about when you should start thinking about delegating different podcast elements, what you should probably hand over, even if it's uncomfortable, and how to make sure that you're doing it all as efficiently as possible. So let's start with her thoughts on when exactly you should take the leap to working with a third-party VA and what goes into that decision. You know, everything else, everything else or everything in life can be delegated to somebody, even in our our personal life. There's an attitude we can all get behind. (laughs) Yes, right. Even in our business, even in our podcast, everything can be delegated to somebody, except, of course, you yourself as the host, right? You cannot delegate yourself to to somebody. You cannot Mm -hmm. ask somebody to become the host of your podcast. So what I would like to say is that if you're thinking about delegating some of the tasks within your podcast production, I'd say that you would know when is the best time to do that when you're losing your sanity already. Hosting a podcast is not easy. It's not easy. Hosting it, it takes an hour. Mm -hmm. And even before the actual interview, you do preparations. You know, you research your potential guests that can talk about topics that would be interesting to your audience. And you also need to make sure that the topics that you're going to be talking about is something that is really will have an impact on your audience. Mm -hmm. And some people, they go to Google Trends or answerthepublic.com, if that's even the right domain name for that. Oh, love that site. It's great. Yeah, they research their topic to make sure that the topic that they're going to talk about is something that will be relatable or something that their audience can can relate to. And after that, you know, again, you're going to do the actual interview, you're going to do the follow-up, or maybe even before the, the interview, if you're not interviewing somebody, you're going to prepare the questions, or if you're going to do the podcast episode alone, you need to do your script if you're that type of person who wants to, you know, read a script or even just create an outline so that you don't get lost while you're doing the interview or the recording of Mm -hmm. your podcast. And after that, you're going to have to edit the actual audio. Aside from that, you're going to edit the video as well if you're going to post it on YouTube, Mm -hmm. because why not, right? You have to repurpose (laughs) your podcast and you have to really show it to the whole world. And the best way to do that is to also produce a video for your podcast. But that's not really necessary because most people, they want to host a podcast because they don't want to show their their faces. Then that's okay. And other than that, you know, you're going to have to promote your podcast. You're <laughs> going to have to create social media captions, graphics, and video clips, and maybe create a blog, create show notes for your podcast episode. There's a lot of things that goes into recording just one podcast episode. If you're doing this full-time and this is your profession, the only thing that you do a day or even 160 hours a month is just podcast hosting and you make a lot of money, even if that's already your full-time career, it can still be overwhelming, stressful, (laughs) and you can lose your sanity. So I think the simple answer is that you need to delegate everything (laughs) except for hosting your your podcast, of course, whenever you are ready. I'm not saying that you should do it all at once. You know, you can start small. That makes sense too, because you mean like there's so many different types of work that go into every single podcast episode, right? And like 
as the host, there's a really good chance you're going to be good at a couple of them. You're probably not going to be good at all of them. (laughs) And so it kind of sounds like, you know, really kind of determining when, what are all of the steps in the process as it currently exists and which ones do you really not need to be doing or could someone else do better, faster or cheaper than you could exactly based on your own, your own hourly rate, whatever that ends up being. So, I mean, you, you're, you know, the expert in working with VAs and with outsourcing help, but you're also a podcast host. So what do you think about when someone should look at bringing on a new member of their team, like a permanent in-house member versus outsourcing? And how do you think people should go about making that kind of decision? That is such a good question. So the main big difference of hiring an in-house person and hiring a virtual assistant is, of course, the location. An in-house member means that it's in-house. You know, you're going to be working with that person every day. And there is more commitment, if I must say, because they're in-house, you know, they're available all the time as compared to bringing in somebody like a virtual assistant. If you're only hiring them part-time, they may not have the full-time commitment that Mm -hmm. an in-house person can give you. And the overhead cost of hiring an in-house person is higher than Mm -hmm. bringing in a virtual assistant. So that is a big difference when you decide to hire, whether you want an in-house or a virtual assistant. But in my honest opinion, you don't really need an in-house person unless you have a very big podcast production. You know, like it's live and you need an audio engineer to mix your audio real time. If you have a podcast and you have a studio and you're interviewing more than two guests, it would make sense to bring in an in-house person so that person can, you know, the audio engineer can correct the problems in the audio real time. After the recording, you can send that recording to a virtual assistant. So it doesn't have to be, do I hire an in-house or a virtual assistant? It can be both. It can be either depending on the setup of your podcast. Also, one thing to consider if you're thinking about hiring an in-house or a VA is your budget. Some people, they like the idea or the feeling of having an in-house person. They feel like they will have more close relationship with that person. But that can also be done with a virtual assistant, depending on the communication and how you would want to set your VA up for success. And so depending on your budget, if you want to save money and you want to lower your overhead costs, I recommend that you hire a virtual assistant and try it first before considering hiring an in-house person. I think one of the things to consider too is, you know, what are tasks that current members of your team can already handle? So I know we work with a lot of clients and They've already got social media people. They've got experts who do that. They do all their marketing communications works. They don't need our team to do it. They've got it. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out where are the actual gaps in your workflow, what's actually missing. I think that's a really good way to approach it. You also make a really good point about being able to divide divide work, you know, even within your team between what have you got in-house? What do you need to outsource? And for making the hire for an in-house person, huge commitment. Huge commitment. It can be really worthwhile sometimes. If you need like more access to someone, if you know you're going to need mm-hmm. responses quickly, someone in team is going to be, they have more of their time available for you. That's not necessary for all businesses. So someone who has their own business or works for an outside company will be able to do just the work. And it kind of sounds like, and I'd love your input on this, 
the better defined the task is and like kind of the better the steps you have for it, the easier it's going to be to outsource. Would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, that, that is so accurate. And I love what you said about assessing what your current team needs. Because most of the time, in-house team members, they get so stressed and overwhelmed as well. Mm-hmm. You think that business owners are the only ones who get stressed and overwhelmed? <laughs> no. Every the human being. report to business owners are the most stressed. That's <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's such a great idea to check your in-house team members' workload and see what are hindering them from giving quality output if they're not, mm-hmm. or what can they do best? Because I believe that good is the enemy of great, if that's the right quote. But if you have an in-house team members, it's also your responsibility as a business owner, as a leader, to make sure that you're upskilling them, mm-hmm. to make sure that you are honing their talents and their skills. And so I think it would really make sense if you have an in-house team member right now or team members check their current workload and see what are the things that they are doing that they're not really passionate about, that they would rather outsource to somebody. And they can take in more high level or more strategic tasks than what they are currently doing. I love that. Some of the favorite conversations I have with my team are every little, every now and then, basically, I love to go to everyone and say, okay. Give me your top three most hated tasks. And let's see if we can find an automation or find someone who is good exactly. or likes doing that kind of thing to do it. Exactly. I love I love that. I, I'm glad that you brought that up, you know, because, again, before you hire somebody like a person to do something, you need to make sure that, you know, you've checked if you can automate it or you can eliminate it. Maybe it's not something that you have to do. Such a good right? point. Maybe it, yeah. no one needs to do it. <laughs> Maybe it's something that that's not bringing in value to your business, you know, and it's making everybody miserable. So check first if you can automate it or if you can eliminate it. Well, the first step is check if you can eliminate it. If not, check if you can automate it. If you can't automate it, then hire a person to do that specific task for you. I love it. So let's kind of flip it around now. So we've talked about a lot of the things that, you know, we can or that it makes a lot of sense to delegate. In your opinion, as both a podcast host and a um, former VA and manager of VAs, what should never be delegated in the course of producing a podcast? Like what needs to be either in-house or the talent of the podcast? Who needs to do what? I own a virtual assistant agency, so I may be biased. (laughs) I own a podcast production agency, me too. (laughs) Yes, support me in what I'm going to say. Honestly, everything except the things that you do, which is Mm -hmm. hosting the podcast, talking to guests and recording the episode, that should remain in-house. And that is something that you should do as the podcast host. Everything else you can delegate, really, because everything can be done online. We're not like factory workers here, right? Where we need need to be in a building and do stuff, you know, with our own hands. You know, everything can be done as long as we're online. And we have a laptop and we know what we're supposed to do. So I think that is something that a podcast host needs to consider as well. Yes, you can delegate everything except the hosting part of the podcast, but you need to make sure that you are prepared for it. You have to make sure that you have standard operating procedures in place or you don't have to call that standard operating procedures, maybe step-by-step instructions. We love SOPs here. (laughs) So SOP is just one of the things that you need to prepare. 
And second is you have to be able to communicate to whoever you're hiring, regardless if it's an in-house or a VA. Communication is very, very crucial and giving feedback as well, especially when your team member is just starting out. You know, your team member may have worked with a lot of podcast hosts already or podcast producers, but your podcast is different than other mm -hmm. podcasts. Your podcast is unique. So you have to make sure that you give feedback to your VA when necessary and make sure that your feedback is straightforward. Don't water it down. Give it as it is, you know. Of course, you don't have to be very, like, mad, like, when, when you're giving it, you know. You still have to give your feedback in love and make sure that the VA understands the urgency or the importance of your feedback. And also, it's important that you have the right tools in place. Because if you're delegating your podcast and... You're manually uploading your podcast episodes to different podcast channels. I don't think that's very wise. A lot of podcast hosts, they pay a subscription for podcast hosting. Is that what you call hosting, it? Podcast yeah, podcast hosting. hosting. Hosting a podcast, you know, it's very critical that you have a great microphone. If you're just recording on your phone and on your laptop, it's going to be hard for your in-house team member or VA to edit your podcast episode, although we have Adobe Enhanced AI, we can't rely on AIs at all times. You know, sometimes there are things that us human beings can do to make sure that we give the best quality to our audience. Yeah. So to kind of recap some of the things that, you know, really should stay in-house, of course, it's going to be being the talent. It's going to be setting the parameters for the task that's going to be delegated to a VA. And then, of course, the ongoing management and feedback for the VA. And I'd, I'd add I think two more to that list, and I'd love to get your thoughts on them. One would be yes. sending invitations to guests to come join you on the show. I think it's fine to outsource like the research and the preparation, but I think hosts should send their own invitation emails. There's way too many junk pitches that go out there and it's too easy to ignore. I almost never respond to a pitch that's from a third party, even if it's like a member of the team. I want to hear from the person. So I have a secret. Yeah, what's your secret? <laughs> My executive assistant has access to my email. <laughs> I was the one who wrote the template to send to my leads, to my contacts. And I asked, we have a database of people that we want to connect with. And I review everything. I review the podcast. I review the podcast. So it's like I visit their LinkedIn mm -hmm. profile. I visit their Instagram account to make sure that I'm reaching out to the right person that I can be connected with. Okay. You have to okay, make sure that point. you're going to be connected with that person. So I review our database and then there's a column in the database that I would put in yes or no. If it's a yes, then that means we will reach out. If it's a no, then we'll not reach out. Once I give the go signal to my executive VA and once the VA has, you know, the template, the VA access my email and then she's the one who sends that out. That's a great point. I hadn't even thought of that as a possibility. I am definitely not like emotionally or spiritually ready to let anyone else into my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what? That is a good way That's to normal. get around my rule. <laughs> yeah. And that is normal. I was like that as well. I wasn't just going to have anybody, you know, access my inbox because that's where my bookkeeper sends our PNF, you know, yeah, our right, profit yeah. and loss statement, our financials. That's when I receive escalations from team members, you know, or clients, if there's any, you know, that's where I receive like confidential private information. So it really took me a while to yeah. like delegate that. 
to somebody else. So what helped me to hire somebody to access my inbox is get to know that person, work with that person on different tasks and, you know, make sure that I trust that person and make sure that that person trusts me as well. And after a few months or a year, you know, when you feel like it's the right time to give that person access to your personal inbox or to your business inbox, you can already do that. But trust is really important when it comes to giving somebody access to your inbox. And there's nothing wrong with what you're doing right now. (laughs) It's pretty normal. It can be scary delegating your inbox to somebody. So you really have to be careful. It's a step that for businesses, especially if you want to scale, that really should be made at some point. I answer a lot of emails that technically like to be a good business owner. I probably shouldn't, but well, it's working right now. Okay. I've got one more thing that people should keep on their own desk and you're going to hate this. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You should. (laughs) You absolutely should not delegate listening to your own episodes. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Because the only way to improve is to force yourself to listen and be like, okay, I did this well. I did that poorly. You got to do it if you want to improve your skills as a host. Can't delegate I love that. And if I'm being honest, I don't do that all the time. I also don't do it all the time, but I know I should. (laughs) I know I should as well, but I know I know how important it is. But I just don't like listening to my voice. (laughs) I know I'm with you. Perfect. Well, Christy, is there anything else you would like to share about kind of working with a VA in your podcast? Is there anything I didn't ask you or that you think people should also be thinking about? Kind of leave us on a high note. Yeah. Well, all I want to say is that you don't have to force yourself to do something that you don't really like, you don't enjoy, and you're not good at. If there are tasks that you are currently doing right now and you hate it, you're not good at it. It's taking you a lot of time to finish that specific task. Don't kill yourself. Delegate that to somebody else. I don't care if you hire a virtual assistant or an in-house team member. Delegate it because it's not worth it. Just like what you mentioned earlier, you know, if you're paying yourself 100 bucks an hour and there's a specific task that you're working on and, you're, and it takes you eight hours to do that specific task, Let's say audio editing. It takes you eight hours to edit an audio, which is a reality for some people, especially when they're not good at editing. And especially for a more complex show that has different audio beds, different content sources, totally. Yeah. And so let's say you pay yourself $100 per hour and it takes you eight hours to edit an audio. So that's like $800 that you're rubbing yourself off. If you delegate that to a virtual assistant or to somebody, let's say you just pay your virtual assistant between 15 to $20. Let's just say $20 since it's a whole number. It's easy to multiply it to eight. So if you delegate it to somebody and you pay that person $20 an hour, so 20 multiplied by eight is like 160. So instead of rubbing yourself off $800, you can delegate that specific task to somebody and you're just going to pay that person $160, right? It saves you a lot of time. And then the eight hours that you're going to save, you can use that for higher level tasks, like mm-hmm. connecting with your podcast guests. Love that one. That's a- <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that podcast hosts neglect. And this is one of the things I need to improve on as well. Sometimes after the podcast recording, it's done. No follow-up emails, no other communication with the podcast guests. And There's a lot of opportunities that we're missing if we don't follow up with our podcast guests. Because first, your podcast guests 
they may not hire you for what you do. They may refer other people to your business. And that is actually one of the things that I think we should aim for. We should not aim for the podcast guests to be our clients. But I believe that it would be best if you invite them to become your referral partners and you incentivize them. When entrepreneurs come together, a lot of things happen. So following up with podcast guests after the recording is very crucial. And most of the time, we don't really do that, including me, which is very important, right? Like, hey, I'm already delegating, but I still don't do it. And maybe this this is uh, like a reminder for me and a reminder for everybody, <laughs> you know, that we should do it. I love that. What a, what a great, great final point. Well, Chrissy, this has been fantastic. Where can people find out more about you and your agency and your podcast? Yeah. I mean, if you go to my personal website, christyyoder.com, K-R-I-S-T-Y-Y-O-D-E-R.com, you can find my podcast there, my virtual assistant agencies, and I have freebies on there as well if you want to learn how to hire a virtual assistant. Fantastic. And the links to that will be in the show notes as well if you didn't get it from just listening. Christy, thank you so much. This has been absolutely great. I appreciate your time so much. You're welcome. And thank you. So to quickly recap what Christy and I talked about, good, effective podcast-related delegation starts with getting really clear on what the process is, what buckets of tasks there are within that process, and identifying who can or should be doing each. When you have gaps or not enough bandwidth or interest in-house to take on the work, you can and should think about engaging a third-party VA, maybe one that's got tons of experience in a particular area to take up the work. You can delegate just about everything related to your podcast except recording the interviews and directing the high-level strategy, even your email if you're a better delegator than I am. Thank you so much for being with me here today. If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Company Show, I would be honored if you shared it with someone who could stand to let a few of their podcast-related tasks go. And if you'd like more expert training, advice, insight, and networking opportunities, join us on our free monthly strategy and networking calls where we have exclusive interviews, individual Q&A, and time to connect with fellow podcasters and industry service providers. Register for free at onestonecreative.net slash strategy dash calls. That's O-N-E stonecreative.net slash strategy dash calls.